because Jesus was to be a man and he was to identify with humankind, his birth had to be exactly like every other human, okay? Right. Mary travailed in, in the birth pains. She went through the whole the whole thing. But his conception, this baby being conceived by the Holy Spirit, that's where the supernatural comes in. Hi, my name is Scott. Welcome to Bibles, Bulldogs, and Beards. Uh, it's good to have you here with us uh, during this holiday season. I'm here with Pastor William Shiflett. It's good to see you. Good Pastor, to see you, my how friend. are you doing, doing this well. morning? Doing well. It's a kind of a rainy, chilly day today. I think we're about 10 degrees away from having snow. Yeah. So maybe we'll have that 10 degree drop within uh, before Christmas and we'll have a white Christmas. Yeah. That would be nice. But, uh, Pastor, we've been talking about Dr. Sinclair Ferguson's book, The Dawn of Redeeming Grace. It's a devotional for Advent. Uh, so excellent, excellent book. Uh, we would suggest that you buy this wherever you get your Christian books and follow along with us. Uh, we're not going to uh, read the book to you, but we're going to discuss what Doctor, the points that Dr. Ferguson uh, brings up. But Pastor, before we get started, do you have any books you want to talk about? Uh, well, for since this holiday season, the Christmas season, I put two of my my Christmas books. There, uh, Jesse's Journal was a sequel to uh, the Christmas Truce, mm -hmm. and so really two real heartwarming stories about reconciliation and forgiveness, which are very important in a holiday season. Yes, they are. And also in Jesse's journal, the the responsibility to keep promises, which is what God did by sending his son. He mm -hmm. promised to send us a redeemer right. and he kept his promise. So, exactly. so it's uh, two, two great little stories available on Amazon. You know, one thing I want to say about Dr. Ferguson's book here is uh, in, in the creeds, it was real heavy, a lot of heavy stuff. But the, this book is an excellent, easy read. Right. It's very foundational, full of real substance, but it's a it's 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 a relatively an easy read, and it really would be, I think, a for, for families who do that kind of Advent stuff, where you could read a chapter leading up to Christmas each day or or something, be a great book for that as well. Yes, it certainly would be a blessing for people to do do that. Uh, your, your books, Pastor, uh, they are available in paperback, paperback and also in Kindle? Yes, paperback and Kindle from Amazon. And so. they can find those easily on Amazon. Just do a search for e easily for William your book Shiflet or, or the, William or Shiflet. Tommy's Christmas Truce, whichever. Praise the Lord. So, Pastor, we're in part two of the book. Uh, we were talking about the family history or family uh, tree. So that leads up to the parents, the family itself, or the parents. So we're going to be talking a lot about Joseph. Now, Joseph, uh, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. So uh, it'd be interesting. This might be interesting to, to find out a little bit about Joseph and his perspective uh, during the birth of our Lord and Savior. So uh, we left off at uh, verse 18 of Matthew, where in, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn it to Matthew chapter 1. And today we're going to be talking about verses 18 through 25. So I'm going to read... Uh, 
verse 18 from chapter 1 of Matthew. And it reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So, Pastor, what, what does it mean to be betrothed? Is that the same as being engaged? No, no. In our culture, I, I like to what Dr. Ferguson brings out, and I'm sure others have done this also, is he points out that in that culture, engagement or betrothal required divorce. You just didn't say, here's the ring. Uh, I don't love you anymore. Let's go our separate ways. Right. There, there was much more involved. And, of course, in our culture today, and I, we understand the need for grace here, not everybody who's been divorced in our culture was divorced by just, I just decided I didn't want my husband or wife. There's been a lot of betrayal and so forth. Right. But nevertheless, in our culture, divorce no longer has the stigma that it once had and that it certainly had in that day. It was a, a, a great tragedy uh, to, to, for your marriage to end up that way. In fact, that's the reason a lot of people stuck out their marriages and tried to make them work because of the shame of divorce. Right. So in that culture, this is what happened. You would not, you wouldn't just say, okay, the, the wedding's off. Here's the ring back or the dowry. However, different cultures would use that. It was much more binding, much more serious. And it, it required a, a, an actual legal process in that culture mm -hmm. to break off this betrothal. Mm -hmm. Much, much more serious uh, issue. And, you know, you think about, well, how could that be relevant to our culture? It's, we are a little, not, I shouldn't say a little. I think, I think Americans particularly are really indifferent to serious issues. Things that should be seen as serious, we just toss them about as if it, as if it doesn't matter. And it's interesting because this, the, this, the, the concern that Joseph has is that Mary has been sexually unfaithful. And we live in a culture where that's just downplayed. The idea just sex is just sex is just fun. You just go out and have a good time, and and we don't take it seriously. Right. And of course, this is why we have such a brokenness in our society. I find it interesting how many of these little uh, signs you see—they're like election signs that you see—but they're setting up and saying about foster parents needed. Foster parents needed. And I just find it interesting that as a culture, we have attacked the family for decades, undermined the family, and now we're pleading for people to step forth and be foster parents to these children who have been victimized by our indifference to these kinds of things. So again, what we're seeing in the Christmas story isn't just this, this story about what happened a long time ago in this little town on a winter night that we've built a, an entire industry around. We're dealing with human nature and human brokenness, right? And the purpose of Christ coming to heal that brokenness. Mm -hmm. So, so these are th th this this idea of betrothal much ser more serious than than uh, what the way we do things today. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it goes on. That verse goes on. It says, uh, "Before they came together, she was found to be with child." Do you think Joseph was okay? With this? <laughs> no. Or, no I mean, I, what do you think Joseph's reaction? Well, what was Joseph's yeah, reaction? Well, obviously, he's very upset because it takes an angel of God to keep him from doing what would be naturally expected, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and again, we, we don't want to, we want to be harsh and we understand human frailties, but, but there is a place where Joseph says, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not going down this road. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I don't know if I'm getting ahead of your uh, of your plan. I don't want to do that, but frequently I do. Right. Uh, the the idea that Joseph had been married before, okay, which is very prominent in the Catholic Church because they have embraced this idea that Mary was a virgin both before and after Christ was born, the Immaculate Conception, or her her she's always a virgin. Um, that Joseph was somehow married before. Uh, I, 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 I'm off track here a little bit, but I think that, uh, may, if he were married before his attitudes about this might've been a little bit different. I think that, I think the fact that he wants a pure wife implies that this is his first wife. You know what I mean? Now it could be I'm wrong there. He was just a very devout man, a, a Jewish man, uh, but but somehow I think that's worth discussing. We won't do that, right? But I think it's it's an idea that's worth worth thinking about. He sees this as a very serious concern. Exactly. Um, well, the, the idea that he was married before that, that, that we don't find that in scripture. We do not find that in scripture. No. So that's just conjecture on someone's part, yeah, or exactly. maybe a yeah. tradition that's been handed down. That's not. We can't say that's actually the word of God. Exactly. We can't say that scripturally, and we have to we have to guard against that in the idea because what the Catholics do, and God bless their Catholic friends, but what they say is that when you read in the scripture that about Jesus's brothers. And his sisters, which are appear several times, most prominently in chapter seven of John, where it says his brothers did not believe in him. Mm-hmm. They argue that because Mary was a virgin both before and after his birth, uh, that she is a perpetual virgin. That these children could not have come from her. They had to be Joseph's, and and either they either say they're cousins, that the word could mean cousins, or that Joseph was married before. All of that is conjecture trying to uphold an image of Mary, which is not necessary, mm-hmm. okay? Because Christ is the Savior, Amen. not Mary. Amen. And, and, and so, uh, you know, one of the questions you touched on earlier about why we, we don't really know much about Joseph, because the story is not about Joseph. Right. The story is about Jesus. And Joseph served his role and faded into the background, whether, whether he died or, or whatever, uh, which he obviously did die because Jesus commits Mary's well-being to John at his mm-hmm. crucifixion. Right. But that, that says nothing about his age or anything else. There's a hundred ways you could die, uh, quote-unquote, young. And um, he wouldn't have been that young if, if Jesus was 33 when he started his ministry, which the Scripture tells us, mm-hmm. um, or, or 30. He was 30 when he started his ministry. Then if Joseph was 25, when he married Mary, he would be 55. And 55 was a, a, a significant age in that, that day and in that culture. Mm-hmm. So um, you just have all those kind of questions. But the story is about the redemptive work of God fulfilled in Christ. Right. It's not an attempt to be historically accurate in every detail right. of everything. And, and if anyone would have a problem with that, there are all kinds of characters in the scripture we know nothing about mm-hmm. once their story is done in scripture they fade from history because they were there to do this this one thing this one part right and even some of the prophets zephaniah uh jonah other unnamed prophets in the scripture where it says that prophet came and said this and we're never even told about what his name was mm-hmm. the the point isn't the person 
The point is the message. Right. And that's why we don't have much about Joseph. But what we do know is that he was a, a man who had enough conviction about righteousness that he balked at the idea that his uh, betrothed wife had been unfaithful right. to him. Well, Dr. Ferguson, I want to read a couple quotes from Dr. Ferguson and get your uh, comments. He said, the, uh, the man that God uses, he first bruises. And when Christ comes, he turns lives upside down and inside out. He changes everything. So how do you think this uh, applied to Joseph's life? And how does it apply to Christians today? Uh, well, first, with respect to Joseph, I would guess that he just wanted to get married, settle down, and raise a family, and everything be fine. Right. And he was not granted that opportunity. Suddenly, he was faced <laughs> with a, a, a situation that uh, came out of the blue. Right? Came out of the blue. Had no idea. He's got to. He's got to relocate. He's got to leave uh, the land of, of of Israel and go to Egypt. Uh, he's got to live in fear of the threats toward his son and and by extension his wife. Um, and so, yeah, he, he just, he's just living his life and, and here's what I want to do. And God says, uh, that's not what I've got planned. Right. And, and it, it does speak to us because I'm, I'm going through my mind right now thinking of numerous stories we won't, uh, we won't get into, but, but where Christians who turned out to be used of God in mighty ways, all they wanted to do was this little thing and just let me have my you know, this little, and God says, no, no, I've got a greater, bigger plan for you than that. And we could even go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham, we're not shown that Abraham has any great thoughts about his future. And one day God taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, I got something I, I planned for you. And you hear about this with ministry after ministry, where they they just wanted to do this little thing and all kinds of doors open. And that's the way it is with, with uh, uh, Joseph. He probably just wanted to to get a wife, do do the the right cultural thing, have a wife, rec- uh, uh, fulfill the biblical mandate of, of replenishing the earth, multiply and replenish the earth, be faithful to that command from the from the the law of God, and 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 just ply his trade, teach his children to fear the Lord. Probably just a simple tradesman's life is what he has envisioned, and it is never that way. What we know about his life, again, not much, but what we know is that there's no way it just worked out like that. There's no way it worked out, especially at the very beginning. Uh, and Dr. Ferguson makes a point about he has to move to Egypt, and then when he comes back from Egypt, he has to go to Nazareth. Nazareth. Uh, so, yeah, it, it upsets his whole life because God's plan. Now, that that comes back to us and what God has called each of us individually to do. Maybe, maybe some of us get to live that normal, idyllic, this is what I've always dreamed of life. Uh, others are, are going to be called and their life is going to be uh, set on end as they try to pursue the Lord and be faithful to Him. Is it true that uh, uh, looking at Joseph at this point, is it true that God sometimes brings us low in order to accomplish his purpose or bring us to a point of total dependence on him? Uh, I, I would say both of those are true. Uh, but but uh, yes, God does do that. He does bruise us depending on what his purpose is. And I don't think Christians, in, I, 
I don't think American Christians, because we have so much of the positive gospel thrust on us, I don't think most of us, when we have a a, a, a crisis happen in our lives, our tendency is, God, why are you doing this? Rather than, God, what do you want to do in this? Right. You know, we're looking for something to blame rather than looking at how God might be using this to open a door for us to be used of him. Mm-hmm. You uh, you mentioned some of the Old Testament uh, saints. Is this uh, a, a pattern of God bringing someone low to accomplish his person, uh, purpose? Is that a pattern we see in oh, yeah. Scripture? Yeah, there's definitely a pattern in Scripture. We can cite just two off the top. Uh, Joseph, the son of Jacob, who is... Uh, the other Joseph in the Bible, who right. is drugged into slavery and, and, and bondage in a foreign country because God has a plan to rescue these people. And and, and a long-term plan, by the way. Uh, the other was David. <laughs> the, Samuel comes down and says, the Lord's raised you up to be the next king. And for the next decade and a half, he spends his life running from Saul, right. living in caves, acting like a madman. It's This is your plan, God? And that's what I'm saying about the American idea of how God's plan works. Here's the plan, total prosperity, perfect health, everything's going to be fine. And and we miss then the, the opportunities to be shaped by difficulty. So Joseph's story obviously is not as big, it is not as elaborate, but it still has that fundamental thing. Here's, what, here's how I want to live my life. And here's God's plan for my life, which will require me to make some uh, changes to surrender to let go of some things we, we're not again given insights directly into Joseph but we can assume that he would want to be a successful carpenter they would right. like to have a, a successful business where he could take care of his family and the first thing God does is send him into a another country right. where nobody knows him he's got no family he, he we don't know that he has family or friends in, in Egypt. It's possible that he had some connections there because of the the mobility even of that society as well. We know there were Jews in, in Egypt and Jews in Babylon and so forth at that time. But but nevertheless, it, it, it's it's a plan that Joseph didn't have, have that God did have to do something great uh, in, in keeping with his redemptive plan. Well, let's move on to... Uh, Verse 19, of course, that's in Matthew chapter 1. That reads, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So what does it mean when it says Joseph was a being, he was a just man? What does that mean? Well, I I think in the context it means that he was very conscientious about what God said. he, he doesn't want her to be put to open shame, which which is the, the character of virtue, or I mean of mercy, uh, the virtue of mercy. Uh, he doesn't want to just say, okay, uh, the the popular modern saying, what goes around comes around. You, you got yourself into this, so you just suffer the consequences. There's no mercy there. Right. There is no sense of, of the unfortunateness of it. And so he, he doesn't want to be the instrument in, in um, uh, causing her that kind of shame and that kind of pain. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the concept of just. It doesn't, of course, mean he was sinless or anything like that. Right. It just means he had a very strong commitment to obeying the fullness of God's word. Mm-hmm. He had authority under the Deuteronomy the laws of Deuteronomy, as Dr. Ferguson brings out, to have Mary stoned if she's right. been unfaithful to him. So in his eyes, he uh, Mary had committed a capital offense. A she capital was worthy offense. of death. She was. And I like what the way Dr. Ferguson brings it out after that point about capital offense, that she had violated the last uh, six commandments of, of the Ten Commandments. She dishonored her parents. She had stolen that which belonged to Joseph. Uh, she had bore false witness, etc. She deserved the capital punishment. He had the right to demand that as her betrothed but he chooses the path of mercy. And uh, and that is also a, a virtue of God. So he's a very conscientious man who wants to live out the fullness of God's word, not just that one point uh, of, of demanding the justice that would come from uh, her death. We see that uh, Joseph, he didn't act in haste. Uh, he kind of took his time. Uh, uh, is that important? That's, or, yeah. That's, and how can we apply that to our lives? Well, we can apply it to our lives because we're too, I think we're way too quick to assume this means that. Okay. And it, it goes in a whole host of, of uh, a whole host of categories can come under that. We just hear something. We assume that's the final word. Uh, and we, we act upon that instead of saying, okay, let's stop. And as a pastor, I have to tell you that that was something that I really had trouble with in the earlier days of my ministry. Uh, and I, I reacted the wrong way in some instances. Uh, and now I'm much more, if I hear something or I experience something, I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of days. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to, I'm going to get some counsel from other leaders in the church or other people that I really rely upon and just slow down. And, and often I have found that I will get an opportunity to address the concern in due season and, and, and don't see it as the, the end of the world. So again, I think Joseph could have said, Hey, she's guilty. She needs to die today. Right. He says, yeah, let me, let me be a little cautious here. And he could have, again, with a lot of speculation here, but he could have, he could have, uh, asked around to some of the religious leaders without, without, you know, the old, the old story. I have a friend who has this situation, you right. know, where, where he could have, he could have done some inquiry like that and tried to get some wisdom. Again, the, the scripture doesn't tell us all that because that's not the point of the story. But as we're examining Joseph and trying to unpack what a just man means, it means someone who isn't, uh, uh, in a hurry. I, I, I can't remember the scriptures, but I know that there are passages in the book of Proverbs that caution taking your time and don't be in haste and don't be hurried. Uh, don't be overly anxious, etc. And so I think all of that comes under that heading. He was a just man, you know. Do you think it was God that was restraining him? Well, sure, certainly. I mean, obviously the Lord was, was, was involved. That brings out that whole question of how God directs us, how God leads us, uh, where some things look like accidents. We later realized we're not accidents at all. It was God working. And so, yes, obviously God was, uh, God had ordained this. This was the man that God had planned 
from eternity past to to marry uh, to to be wedded to Mary and to be the father of his the earthly father of his eternal son. So certainly God is working to to bring this to pass. And it is God holding him back and restraining him and uh, causing him to take that extra time to ponder and he plants a thought in his mind or he, or he, he stirs up the remembrance of some of those scriptures. So yes, God was, was definitely involved in it. I think uh, in restraint and uh, waiting and not acting in haste, when I think about that, I, th I think about social media sometimes, and uh, when you're flipping through and you see some, I see, often see things that anger me. Yeah, uh, it's it's probably not a good idea to to react, or if someone makes a comment on one, one of your posts that's uh, you don't agree with, it's not a good idea to act in anger, or not just social media. Is in anything? Do you think Christians nowadays are quick to judge? Too quick. To judge, uh, yeah, uh, I, I I definitely agree. I, I'm hesitant about that word judge because it's been so misused, and so yeah. many people think correct that we shouldn't make any judgment. But I do think Christians can be guilty of rushing to a conclusion That's... that isn't supported by the full story. I just had this last week. My wife comes out first thing in the morning. She's getting ready to go to work. I'm sitting there. At 5.30 with my cup of coffee, trying to meditate and think about the Lord. And she comes out, having seen something on social media and tells me this. And I'm in a fit for two days over it. Uh, and then as I take my time and research a little bit, I find out that this was a statement from this person. This person made an accusation about this situation, which isn't really, is not, Balanced, okay. I'm not saying there's not some concern, but not balanced. And we do. We hear something, and we we just rush to. This means that, and I, I think we just have to be very careful. And I think I honestly feel like, again, I've probably been guilty of this in the past, but I'm now at the place where I really feel like we create some of our own anxiety over issues like that. We hear something, we jump to a conclusion, and then. And, and, and we're just, and then we, we become instruments of, of uh, furthering the falsehood instead of just let's, let's take time, let's, let's find out about this. You know, Dr. Ferguson deals with how did Joseph know that Mary was pregnant? Did she tell him? Did, was, he, was she so far along, which seems unlikely that you could, you could see the, the bump? Right. Uh, I don't know what uh, young, Israeli Hebrew women look like when they're pregnant. I have heard a number of people say that they looked at someone and they knew they were pregnant because of their, just the, the changes in their physical appearance. So right. it may have been something like that. Uh, but but whatever it was, again, he didn't just jump to, he might have wanted to, to find out, to, to ask about. Uh, Dr. Ferguson, I think, makes the point of that was she somehow violated. He would have to be able to research that to see if she was pregnant because some man had 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 violated her sexually. In which case, it would be a whole different scenario. Once he determines that that wasn't the case, that she's 
there's no explanation for her pregnancy. And all of that, of course, brings us back to that. He's very slow. He's very meticulous. He didn't hear a rumor. And the next day, take action. He's waiting. And certainly God is uh, moving and working in the background to, to be able to convey to him that word of comfort through the angel Gabriel. Well, Dr. Ferguson moves on to uh, verse number 20. And uh, he, he calls that dream angel is the title of uh, his chapter. But it, uh, chapter 20 reads, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So we see in verse 19 that he was considered, he resolved to put her away in divorce, but something something happened, something changed uh, his mind. Was the dream angel visit meant to re reassure Joseph that God was continuing to reveal himself to his people? Certainly, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, that's the big picture. Right. The, the short term is to give Joseph the assurance he needs to go forward with uh, the wedding and whatever God has after that. Right. You know, at this point, Joseph, again, is only seeing his earthly uh, goals. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. End of story. Mm -hmm. uh, God has, uh, uh, God is working a different plan. And, and he, so he, he reveals that now to, to Joseph. Joseph needs to be in on it, quote-unquote, at this point. It, did God do this in a way that uh, prevented Joseph from thinking that he had worked it out for himself? Yes, uh, and I think that's a great question because sometimes we might, in prayer and consideration, make a decision, and yet we're always bugged by it because we don't always see the consequences. I know this is the right thing to do, but I may not always see a, a blessing. I might not see an immediate blessing. I may never see a blessing from it. Uh, it's, it, it does give us a lot more strength if there's some kind of special uh, uh, conveyance for that, that information. You know, for example, as a pastor, uh, there, this, is, this is the one job in the world, and I shouldn't say it like that, one of the jobs in the world for which there is no reliable means of evaluating your success. If you, if you preach the truth and people don't like the truth, you know, uh, we had dinner last week with some folks in our church who had been here about a year, and he was telling us that when they first came here, he had the question that a lot of other people have said to us through the years. This is not boasting. I'm just relaying what someone else has said. Several times through our decades here, people come into the church and they look at our small crowd and they say, why is this church empty with this kind of preaching? And then he told me, and so he mentions that Saturday evening and he says, then I sat around listening for a while and he said, now I know why, but people don't want to hear this kind of preaching. So I have to go to the pulpit and proclaim the truth without any expectation that it's ever going to actually accomplish something. And there are a lot of times in life where we make a decision, I'm going to do something God says to do, but there is no corresponding blessing that comes from it. See, this is another one of those things. Do this, God will bless you. 
Yeah, do this and God will reward you in eternity because you may not get an earthly blessing. And so I think with this situation, Joseph needs a word that's bigger than just my inner reasoning that I am doing the right thing. Even, even with respect to preaching, I now have the word. See, Joseph didn't have anything with the Old Testament. Right. Now I have the word where God says, be faithful, be diligent, be uh, Paul's words to Timothy, preach the word when it's, when it's popular and when it's not popular. I have that to fall back on. Joseph didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And so he needs something more than just a mental decision that, yeah, that I'm going to, I'm going to do this. He needs God to say, do this. And it's interesting, even with that, how both Joseph and Mary continue to struggle with the identity of Jesus. Right. You know, when they take him to the temple when he's 12, well, where have you been? What have you been doing? And you, you hear again and again in the Gospels about this situation where it says Mary pondered these things. What does this mean? She has the understanding that this, this is God's son, yet all the dots don't connect because of our fallenness, right. our brokenness, which undermines the whole idea that somehow Mary was perfect because she has the same kind of questions all the rest of us have. Right. So I'm long-winded here, but yes, it is important that God say to Joseph, that he's, he's making the right decision. This is the course to take because I have a purpose for it. And he needed that special sort of, of revelation. Now, I like the way Dr. Ferguson dealt with that, by the way. He, he stresses the fact that this is not normal. This angel appearing in a dream is not an everyday occurrence. That's another thing in the Christian church that I just think is, is just hindering us so much especially people who will ignore the Bible for this message. Joseph doesn't have scripture to tell him the, about this event. We have all kinds of scripture now to tell us how to live and how to make our, our, our uh, decisions. So it is very important. He does need an extra revelation here. Right. But it is not a normal in the sense of everyday Christianity. Right. And of course, you've answered most of my questions Sorry. <laughs> for the rest of <laughs> You have a tendency of I doing do, that. So, no, I, I just, so, but it's yeah. great. Uh, it, it, it means we're on the same track. Right. And we're, in, we're searching what the scriptures say right. other than what. Uh, this might be a little unfair to Joseph, but uh, God appeared, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Should Joseph have, um, since he, he was a just man, he knew the Old Testament scriptures, uh, should he have been looking for the coming of the Messiah? Wow, that is a really good question. And I, I do not think it's, I, I don't think uh, Joseph should be demonized any more than any of the rest of the people. Right. They, they were expecting, and you know, and, and it, it, there is a parallel here. We expect Christ to come, right? But He told us we wouldn't know when He was coming, that He would come when we least expect it. So we can, we can understand how sometimes we get uh, too involved with the world and and are not thinking enough about. Eventually, at some point, I don't even use the word eventually, but but at some point, Christ will return. So yes, they were expecting the Messiah. Uh, and I guess this, I would say that it is not 
it would be unfair to say, well, Joseph, what's wrong with you? How come you didn't figure this out? But let's go back a moment to the just concept. In that justice is humility. Right. And who would go around thinking, of course, they all knew the Messiah was coming. Uh, but who amongst them would think he's going to come through me? Right. Who's, who's going to think it's my family? Right. A humble person would not say that. And, and I think so that it, it's, 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 if we were to accuse him of what's wrong with you, Joseph, then that would be unfair. But it's actually a word of commendation in his humility. I think we should be recognized that as a humble person, which would be under the umbrella of just, a just man, would be a humble man, a fair man. He would not be thinking, hey, God's going to use me to do this. Right. Uh, you, you see that. You see that. In, in some of the other Bible characters where God comes along and says, me? You know, and so I think that's probably a situation there. Do you think that's probably the reason that God, uh, the angel appeared to him in the dream, a, a form of special revelation right. to him to help him know that this is what's happening and, right. and you're going to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, to give him that assurance, yeah, that it, this isn't just... That's an excellent question, Scott. It isn't just me now thinking I'm really important. It's I it's still functioning in that kind of humility of why would God use me? And then God says, that's exactly what I'm going to do is use you. And you find that in fairness in Mary as well, because she says, well, why should this happen to me? Why should I be chosen for right. this? There's that echo of humility there. Everybody <laughs> believes he's coming, but... But the humble person doesn't think that they're necessarily uh, indispensable. Let's use that word. And you and I both know there have been ministries like that. They've just they've gotten to a place where if we're not around, it won't happen. And it, and, and it, it's it's such arrogance that typically those ministries collapse. They fail. They fade away. And it, within a dead generation or two, most people don't even know who that was. Compared to Joseph and Mary, thousands of years later, every year we are reminded of these two humble people that God used. So, so, so I think that's a, an excellent uh, observation about Joseph, and we, we don't have to say, "Well, how come you didn't know this?" Well, Doctor Ferguson goes on his next uh, chapter or section is called "Tidings of Comfort and Joy" with a question mark. And I want to quote him. He says, for, jo for Joseph, it was not fear of marriage, but it was a fear of God. Do you agree with that statement? I, I absolutely would agree with that. Now that he knows this is something God has called him to, he has, he has no choice. Mm -hmm. This is, like it or not, this has to be done. Right. Is, is the fear of God a mark of grace? Yes. Yes, it is. In fact, I got a sign message from uh, Dr. Ferguson uh, in this for our church sign. Something about those who love him much should fear him much, you know. And and so yes, there is that there is that consideration. Absolutely. So, what does fearing God mean? What does that mean to fear God? Well, it it is a phrase that is greatly misunderstood and, and taken out of context. People think it means to be a Afraid of God, which it does mean. Right. 
Whenever you see this in the Bible, when people encountered an angel in the real, okay, not in a dream, mm-hmm. but in real life, they were it, the first thing the angel typically says is, don't be afraid. Right. Something is happening that is causing fear. And that is that same kind of we are encountering the creator of the universe who is unlike anything, anywhere that we are conscious of. It, it should provoke this sense of fear. Okay, uh, but it is not a fear that pushes us away, but a fear that draws us to. And and if we could think of it, we would call them today. And this is not a perfect uh, analogy, but we'll, I'll use it: adrenaline junkies, people that jump out of airplanes, knowing they could die, they jump out so that the fear draws them. Okay, and rather mm-hmm. than expel it. Now we're not saying people who don't jump out of airplanes are, are not good people. We're saying that this is the kind of fear that is it is a it is a fear that that makes me afraid and yet draws me closer because i am i'm entranced by the wonder of this this experience or this person who provokes that kind of fear in me uh, i think that's a, the healthy side of that and you know one of this is one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about the fear of god it's another one of those well that's old testament now that we're Jesus has come, we don't have that fear. That is not what you see in the New Testament. Peter, in one place, says, fear God. Uh, in, uh, in John, John, uh, I mean, Revelation, John turns around and sees Christ and falls down like a dead man. Right. Overwhelmed by his glory. So the idea of the fear of God is still very much alive in, in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's yeah. uh, your explanation of that was uh, was great. I'd never really heard it put that way, but uh, hopefully, I never forget it. Yeah. Well, Doctor Ferguson goes on to verse twenty one, which reads, "She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Doctor Ferguson makes this quote. He says, "Jesus says birth was not supernatural." His conception in the womb of a virgin was. Excellent. What are your thoughts on that? Excellent, excellent. I mean, he. I love these guys when they when they take apart something that we just take for granted. But he's absolutely right. Because Jesus was to be a man, and he was to identify with humankind, his birth had to be exactly like every other human. Okay. Right. Mary travailed in, in the birth pangs. She went through the whole the whole thing. But his conception, this baby being conceived by the Holy Spirit, that's where the supernatural comes in. And, uh, you know, it, the, the beauty of this, it, you get off of the stuff there. But yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. His birth was absolutely natural. A mother giving birth to a baby. His conception was the supernatural part. Yeah. And see see how that how vital it is to read and study because then you get that little nuance that you man, I never I never noticed that. Right. I never thought about that. Uh, how much did uh, of course the angel is still speaking to Joseph. How much uh, uh, did he under do you think that he understood about what was happening? Uh did I, you think he realized that this was the Messiah? 
Oh, wow. Another great question. I would have to say that I would expect him to be able to have some sense of, of those figures. Okay. But I do not know whether uh, the fullness of it came again, because later on, as we said about when they go to Jerusalem and Jesus stays behind and he says, I had to be about my father's business and they, they didn't know what was going on. I think they may not have, have understood the full import of that. I also want to add a word of caution because some people would say, well, how could he, how could they not know it with all this? Because 99% of the time he acted like a normal boy right. throughout his life mm-hmm. because he was to live a human life. He right. came as a man. He lived a human life. That does not detract from the fact that he was conscious that he was more than just another human. But his parents, he didn't go around doing miracles. He didn't go around doing wonders. And maybe we'd be reminded that even after he starts his ministry, his mother and his brothers come to him and say, hey, you're, he's, he's beside himself. He's lost his mind. Uh, it's because it, in every other area of his life, he's a normal Israelite boy, a normal Israelite young man. Right. Um, even the neighbors said, is this not the son of the carpenter? Right, exactly. Um, Just a normal dude. What's who's? Who's he think he is? So I think it's, I think it's, uh, I don't know that Joseph would have had the full import of, of everything God was saying, but he has enough sense to know that God is doing something in the midst of his people. Um, I would, I would guess, and, and so I'm getting off a few different stories. So I would say, I, I don't think he knows the fullness of it. He understands that this person will save them from their sins. But like most people, he does not. And he never apparently gets to that point of, of seeing the cross, seeing this. This is how God right. is going to save right. his people from their sins. He exactly. doesn't He doesn't conceive of that because no none of the rest of the people did either, that, that Christ was going to die. Something that Jesus has to remind the disciples of even after the resurrection. Right. You know, the scriptures say this was supposed to happen. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.